I want to ask you a question. Is religion dull and boring for you? Is going to church a chore? How can any professing Christian not know about the exciting move of God today in the world? Now you stay tuned. You don't want to miss out on today's message. We invite you to join us for a half hour of inspiration, sharing, and teaching in a new program of Orthodox Christian Renewal. This comes as an outreach of the Logos Ministry for Orthodox Renewal, headquartered in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The founder of this ministry of faith is Father Eusebius Stefanu, Greek Orthodox priest, author, and evangelist, who's been called by God out of pastoral and professorial posts to proclaim the end-time message of salvation, healing, and deliverance in Jesus Christ. Father Stefanu comes to share a message of love and hope with both those who've never known Christ and those who are already members of the church but have never experienced the fullness of God's redeeming grace and healing power. At the close of the program, we will give you the address where you can write our evangelist. And now, our speaker and host, Father Eusebius Stefanu. Do you know that God is stepping into the affairs of the church today in his sovereign grace? I want to talk to you about that today. He is shaking the churches, the Protestant church, the Catholic church, and the Orthodox church. God is pouring out his Holy Spirit in preparation for the return of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. How can anyone live in the church today without being aware of how he is infusing new power and renewed love in the midst of his redeemed people? But before we move on to the main message, let me thank all of you out there who have written me. Your letters and contributions for the support of this TV outreach means so much to me. If you haven't written me yet, write me today. Your letter will encourage me. Be a faith partner together with me. Help me bring the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to members of the church who have never had an experience with a Savior and to anyone who has never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. What is so exciting about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the fact that not only are we saved in the blood that he shed on Calvary's cross, but that we have the unfailing promise we will be with him throughout eternity in that place of heavenly glory. What did you say, Jesus? I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. That's from the Gospel of John, verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 3. Once Jesus saves us from that moment, we are his. We, are, we do not belong to ourselves. The Apostle Paul says, Ye are not your own. 1 Corinthians 6.19, you are not your own. You are under the ownership of God. You are Christ's. Once he sets you free from the condemnation of sin, you belong to him. And wherever he is, you also will be. You will be inseparable from him. Think about that. Doesn't that excite you? Jesus is coming to receive you and me unto himself so that where he is, we will also be. If he is in glory, we also will be in glory. If he is in the highest position in the universe, we too will be lifted up to that 
that same exalted place. We will sit together with him in heavenly places, like the Apostle Paul says. What a marvelous promise. I want to ask you, are you living with a sense of expectation? Are you ready, dear friend, to hear the voice of the archangel and the last trump of God? Are you part of that church which will be snatched away in the twinkling of an eye, as the Apostle Paul says in the Greek, what a thrilling day that will be when those who are truly born of God and who love the Lord Jesus Christ will be raptured, that is, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. The Apostle Paul confirms the promise of Jesus. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 did you know, friend, that the Father is working out for us an eternal union with his Son? He is bringing this about by preparing the church in these last days. And he is preparing the church by fulfilling the prophecy spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days I shall pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, let me say that in the Greek original, too, because we have many viewers who are of Greek background. And this is Scottis Imeris, Epipassen Sarka. God is baptizing believers in the Holy Spirit and making available to them an extraordinary provision. What Joel prophesied and Peter quoted on Pentecost Day is coming to pass in our own day. God indeed is pouring out his Holy Spirit upon all flesh in preparation for the soon return of Jesus. This is called in the Bible the latter rain, and the Greek term in the New Testament is ietos opsimos, vrochi opsimos, and the latter rain, spoken of by James uh, chapter 5, verse 7. And that latter rain will be far greater, he says, than the early rain. The Holy Spirit anointing and the holy love that God's people will have for Jesus with the end time outpouring of the Holy Spirit will be far greater than what the church had on the day of Pentecost with that initial endowment of power from on high. It cannot be done by human effort and ingenuity. It will take the Holy Spirit to prepare the hearts of the people of God. The function of the Holy Spirit is to enthrone Jesus in the hearts of God's sons and daughters. His mission is to glorify Jesus and to ignite hearts of fire with love for Jesus. Already we see how the Holy Spirit is firing up hearts for a love for Jesus, something unparalleled in the history of the church. It never ceases to amaze me in the last few years how ordinary nominal Christians and dead members of the church are having their whole lives transformed by the touch of the Holy Spirit. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1972 by the grace of God, the first result was a deeper love for Jesus which I never before felt. Jesus took 
first place in my life in a way in which he had not been before. I experienced a personal relationship with him which I cannot remember ever having before even though I was an ordained priest. My acquaintance with the Lord had been primarily theological. I had a head knowledge of him. But the Holy Spirit led me into a heart knowledge and a heart awareness of Jesus. The Holy Spirit brought me into a new intimacy with Jesus. I found myself loving Jesus and not only believing in him and not only confessing him. Hear me as I tell you, dear friend. Jesus is coming to receive unto himself not simply those who have faith in him, but those who love him. Mark this. Jesus is coming for a loving bride. And the word in the original Greek is nymphi. Nymphi to Christu. A church that loves him and not only confesses him. Christian believers can no longer content themselves with faith with confessing the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed. Intellectual ascent to doctrines is no substitute for a love relationship with Jesus Christ. At one time, I thought that close intimacy with Jesus was appropriate to certain unusual men and women that we call mystics, people who had a special bend and idiosyncrasy for that kind of experience. I didn't think that it was normal for the cross-section of the church. I didn't think that it was for everyone in the church, for the average Christian. But the Holy Spirit changed my thinking, changed my way of thinking very quickly, and showed me that you and I will not qualify to sit with Jesus in heavenly places unless we love him passionately. An intimate love relationship with Jesus is a common requirement. Every man and woman in the church who expects to be with Jesus in the rapture will have to be found in a love union with him. Jesus will receive unto himself those who are looking for him in yearning love and longing expectation and are saying to Jesus, Come, Lord Jesus, and not simply those who believe in him. And that's what we read in the last book of the Bible, in the book of the Revelation. It says in the book of Revelation, we read, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. The Bride is the Church of Christ. And Christ, as the divine spouse, is coming for the heavenly marriage. But we need to call upon him, to express our longing for him. The Holy Spirit is getting the bride ready by instilling a deeper sense of eagerness in her and prompting her to cry out to her spouse in holy love, Come on, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Like any bride that counts the days excitedly in expectation of her wedding day. Jesus is equally eager to come, just as eager 
as his bride to receive him. And in the book of Revelation, Jesus reassures the church of Christ repeatedly with the words, I come quickly. Three times Jesus says that. I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. Don't worry and fret as if Christ is saying, I'm coming. I'm coming very soon. And I want to turn to another book of the Bible. It's a book in the Old Testament that isn't read very, very much today in the church. That's the book of the Song of Solomon. And in this book, the, the church is depicted as the bride of Christ saying these words. I am my beloved's, and his desire is toward me. Make haste, my beloved. I will seek him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. Isn't that beautiful? That's the warmth that should characterize our relationship with Jesus. Friend, I want to tell you something. I don't know what church you belong to. You might be Catholic. You might be Orthodox. You might be a Protestant. One thing you need to know, only those who love the Lord Jesus Christ in this earthly life will sit at the marriage supper when Jesus returns in glory. Don't expect to get into that wedding chamber unless you have loved the divine spouse. Remember that you cannot have a marriage without mutual love between the spouses. How can you expect to stand in the presence of the heavenly lover if you do not in the here and now aspire to that union with him. That celestial marriage will mark the consummation of the limited union which you are already experiencing here on earth. But how can you be in eternal union with a bridegroom if you do not long for him now? How can you be welcomed as a guest at that marriage supper unless you have known the spouse in a familiarity of mutual and secret love? Listen to me, brother, sister. Jesus wants to be loved as we are loved by him. How can you rejoice and joyfully look forward with expectation to his coming unless your heart is fired up with a holy love for him. Can you hear that divine calling, that divine voice calling upon us to celebrate from now in gladness? Can you hear that voice saying, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself Ready, Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. And I want to read this in the original Greek too for uh, the benefit of our Greek viewers. 
χαίρομεν και αγαλιόμεθα και δόμεν την δόξαν αυτό ότι ήλθεν ο γάμος του αρνίου και η γυναίκα αυτού ετοίμασεν εαυτήν. If you are among the invited guests, you are truly privileged and blessed. Nothing on earth could possibly compare with the ineffable delight and felicity that will be enjoyed in that divine presence. And I want to turn again where it says in Revelation chapter 19, verse 9, There we read, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And let me say it, read it in Greek, in the original Greek. Makari i istodipno tu gamu tu arniu keklimeni. Isn't that beautiful? Unspeakable joy and gladness are in store for those whose hearts burn with divine eras. The Apostle Paul says, be aglow in the spirit. Zeon to pnevmati, the Greek. Zeon means more than aglow. It means fervent. It means to be on fire. The soul that is fervent in the spirit is the one pierced through with a sword of the love of Jesus. He draws our love like a magnet. Now, you've been going to church all your life, friend. But you've never felt that magnetic pull of Christ's love. Or you've never responded with a love that has really permeated your entire being. To be one of Christ's for time and eternity demands an all-consuming love for him. The Apostle Peter was restored to his apostolic position after, as you remember, after he passed the verbal test put to him by the divine master. He required of him an oral declaration of his loyalty and in personal love. Jesus asked him, Simon, that was his name before Christ renamed him Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He asked this of Peter three times. Do you love me more than these? Three times corresponding to the threefold denial of Peter. Because Peter, as you remember, denied Christ three times. And at the third interrogation, Simon Peter said, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Isn't that beautiful? How many of you can say that to Jesus today? You know how much I love you, Jesus. Jesus is asking you today, do you love me? He is not simply asking you if you believe in him. The Bible says, even the devils believe and tremble, but it is in their nature not to be able to love God. They don't have that capacity. Love is a, strictly is a divine quality. Faith, And hope are useful and necessary for our earthly existence. They are the conditions of our passing out from death into life. We need to have faith. But love is different. Love is eternal. That's what makes it different. 
it begins in this world and extends beyond the grave. It is of the very nature of the Godhead. For this reason, the Apostle Paul says, And now abideth faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Whereas now we walk by faith, then we will walk by sight. When we pass on in that appointed day, we will see Christ face to face. Faith and hope will have no function then. Paul says, when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Now those who will be called to the marriage supper of the Lamb will have perfect and unimpaired vision. They shall no longer see through a glass darkly and in part. They shall know even as also they are known, like, Paul, like it says there in the Revelation. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. Angels will escort us into the bridal chamber. They will invite us as they invited and summoned John, the beloved disciple, in the book of Revelation. Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he describes the experience of his ecstatic ascent. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. But hear me, friend, because only those whose names are inscribed in the Lamb's book of life will be permitted entry into that holy city. And it says there, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. It is not enough to know that your name was written there at the time you were baptized into the church. The question is, is your name still there or has it been blotted out? You know, friend, that you can have your name in the registry and roster of your church all you want, but that's no guarantee that it is in God's registry in heaven. Baptism and faith affect salvation only insofar as you keep your baptismal garment unspotted. God spoke to the church of Sardis in Revelation and said, Few names have not defiled their garments. The promise of God is that he will not blot out his name out of the book of life. But the names of many people in the church are blotted out of the book of life because of stubbornness in sin and because of the lack of repentance. Whosoever hath sinned against me, God told Moses, him will I blot out of my book. If I had the time, I would show you other scriptures that prove the fact that those who are saved today and are heirs of the kingdom have no guarantee that tomorrow they cannot backslide into a life of sin and forfeit their salvation. But friend, what I want to point out is that Jesus returning to present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He desires that before he comes, it should be holy and without blemish. That means he wants you to remove every spot and wrinkle from your life. He wants to perfect holiness in you if you are to be identified with the bride of the soon coming Christ. Friend, hear me as I tell you. Jesus is coming when you least expect him. In the parable of the marriage supper, the warning is stated very clearly by the Lord that those who normally should be properly attired for the heavenly supper but are not, church members, will be meted out with a terrible punishment. It says there, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding, wedding garment? And he was speechless, it says there. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now, if you've never known Christ in a love relationship, ask him to breathe his Holy Spirit into your heart. As you repent humbly and sincerely of your sins, that love will heal your broken life. It will bring you out of that religious deep freeze. I want to pray for you. Bend your knee to the Lord if you can and extend your hand toward the television screen. Jesus, there's a man, a woman out there that wants to be in that wedding party when you come to receive your bride unto yourself. 
Accept the repentance today and meet the desire of their hearts. Set their hearts on fire. Help them, Lord, to wash their garments in the blood you shed on Calvary so that they might be received when they knock on the door of your wedding chamber for the marriage supper. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now I'm going to ask you to write me today. I need to hear from you. Share in this television outreach. If you received a blessing, write me and tell me about it. Until then, may God's richest blessings be with you. Thank you for having joined Father Stefanu in this new broadcast of Inspiration and Faith. We hope you will tune in again next week for another half hour of Orthodox Christian Renewal. This program is made possible by the free will offerings of the viewers. Your prayerful and financial support is vital to the continuance of this telecast.